Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Bree Johnson. Or Yanopoulos, no, actually, Bree Johnson <laughs> and Jessica Hatzis, welcome to The Mentor. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having us. I love Yanopoulos for you, Bri. I know. That's I'm enliking cool, my eh? new rebrand. Yeah, I'll take yeah. it. Well, if you're going to go to Greece, you've got to have a Greek name. So uh, you're going to go to Greece? Oh, 100%. It's on yeah. my list. How do you guys get together? What's the deal? Oh, my gosh. We've been friends. We, I don't even know if I want to say how long we've been friends for because it's showing our age. Um, but I think we've been pushing nearly 15, 20. Almost 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. yeah, we were friends from when we were in uni- university and we worked the same part-time job. We actually worked for Red Bull driving little Red Bull cars. Oh, really? Yeah, which was an amazing What's first job. What's the little job. Red Bull car? What do you The mean? little Red Bull cars. We were part of the, what was called their field team, so their marketing team. Um, and we drove around in these Red Bull cars. We handed out the product to people. And it was amazing because it really gave us our first experience of customer marketing and learning how to profile a customer, learning how to talk to them about key messages. And we were given so much autonomy on these so-called missions. Um, We'd have a certain number of cans we had to distribute and we'd be given our customer profile list. And then it was our job to find them and I guess sell them the message. Pre-social media? Yeah, pre-social media. So sort of trying to get Instagram moments. No, Um, uh, no. So you were driving around these Red Bull Bull cars, little Red Bull cars, but but we're talking about a Hyundai or something like that. They're little minis with the can on the back. Have you ever seen them? Oh, yeah, I remember them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 That was us. And uh, you're both from Melbourne. Yeah, we're both from Melbourne. Victorians. So this Red Bull process, what did you learn out of it? I think we learned, or A, we learned how to profile customers and how to talk to all different people and tailor a message to a different audience, which is, I think, really fundamental to marketing, is knowing who you're talking to and what key selling points are going to resonate with them. But, so what did you learn about your business partner? Oh, gosh. What did I learn about Jess from Mark? I guess I think all of the people they hired at Red Bull had a few things in common. I think we're all mavericks in a way. Um, that was really fundamental part of the Red what Bull brand. What do you brand. mean by maverick? Uh, we think a bit differently yeah. and we're not afraid to do things a bit differently. Does it mean like as in crazy? Not crazy, just yeah. as in thinking differently, doing things differently, not being afraid to push boundaries. Um, that was really fundamental to the Red Bull brand. You know, we were encouraged to break rules, break rules you know, like if that we saw an opportunity and we wanted to pull up on the side of the road and park illegally to sample with a certain consumer group, we were allowed to do that. We were allowed to encourage people to climb on the cars. Um, we were allowed to, to, to bend the rules to create an experience. Not really big bending of rules. No. Like, we're talking no, pretty minor stuff. Pretty minor stuff. Yeah. I mean, you guys are on an agency and and your agency is called Will and Blake. Correct. Yep. And it's a 
brand creative agency. Yep. I mean, I'll come back to what that means a bit later and what it entails probably more importantly. But in terms of you two discovering each other and that you should go off and do this agency, you both found out what about each other that you like doing together? Oh, writing. Yeah, we're both writers. Um, writers? Writers, yeah. yeah. You mean creative writers? Yeah, creative writers. Uh, we each had our own blog. <laughs> yeah, we're going back so long ago that there was no social. It was yeah, the, the land of blogs. Yeah. Remember when blogging was a thing? It was a great thing. That's how we yeah. started our careers. Like such an amazing free outlet to have available to us. Mm. I was writing a music blog at the time and that's how I ended up getting my first job at mm. a music agency, a subsidiary of Warner Music. And Brie was writing. It was sort of like I was writing about fashion, which was totally not my niche. <laughs> but that's how you ended up at Broadsheet. And then ended up yeah. Broadsheet, yeah. Yeah. So Brie was became acting editor after a while you, there. Those two jaunts, did they come after the uh, Red Bull episode? Mm. So you were mates at the time. Yeah, we were friends at the time. We were living across the road from each other. Mm. Nah. I know. Yeah, it's like Our friends. Our became very <laughs> incestuous with a, a who was a third partner at the time when we first launched yeah. Willow and Blake. I think. Red Bull throws you in a car for eight hours at a time with just one other person, so you had a mm. lot of time to bond oh, you were in with the car people. Together? Yeah, we were ah, in the car okay. together. You'd rotate around with different people, but there were tons of time where, yeah. when you start, you're just pra- with a practical stranger sitting there all day. So you get to know each other really, really well. Bree and I got along very well from day one, and we discovered that we had these other interests, sort of underneath that layer of what we were doing at Red Bull. And aside from writing our own individual things and we sort of, I think we're all sort of juggling, finishing uni, starting our first job slash internships, writing our own blogs on the side. And after about two years of doing that, we'd learned a lot from the young entrepreneurs that we worked for. And we were probably young and naive and we thought, we want to do this ourselves. We don't want to work for you anymore. We've learned everything we can from you. There wasn't a lot of progression in the roles at the time. So we started, we came together. And we formed what was still another blog called Willow and Blake. For us, it was about... Oh, you, formed, you, you started yeah, a blog blog, It was Blake. blogs on tops of blogs yeah. on tops of blogs. Um, with a third partner, Erica, at the time. We were focused on profiling people that we thought were really interesting. So basically the written version of what podcasts are now. We wanted to get under that layer of not the thing, but the people behind it. Sometimes they were fictional characters that we would make up. Sometimes they were real life people that we would interview. I remember the first person I ever interviewed was John Safran and I was absolutely shitting myself going to because I thought he was incredible and he got there and he was more nervous than I was. I'm like, oh, okay, I've I've got some power here. But the interview was was a written interview, was it? It was. um, We met in person at a cafe in St Kilda and then I translated it into less of an interview, more of a piece, like a piece about him using some of the content that we spoke about. And Willow and Blake garnered quite a following. Uh, I think people resonated with the stories that didn't really have any agendas other than to uncover something interesting and tell a great story. But it wasn't a, wasn't an agency as such at no, the time. No, it wasn't it an was agency. It was just a, a thing. It was just a thing. Yeah. Again, another passion project. I think when you put that love and energy into something, it starts to show and it connects with people. We started getting freelance inquiries. From Which means? Some... Basically, this started with a friend of ours had imported something like 20,000 plastic sandals from China because his little sister wanted them. (laughs) What a lovely position to be in that you can do that. He came to us and he said, look, I've got all of these shoes. I need to build a brand and work out a way to get them out there in the world. And we thought, well, this is sort of an intersection of a lot of our skills, copy, brand, social starting to take shape at the time, the little bit of PR that we had. And for us, I think just being willing to 
try and shape a strategy without it being formulaic because we hadn't spent that much time in industry, in, in all honesty. It, there was no rule book for us to work by. We just kind of came up with what felt natural. logical and natural. Yeah. yeah. So we helped Christian, our client and friend at the time, create what would become jelly bean sandals. And that blew up. Like He moved through all this stock. It was an incredible- Did he have the name jelly bean? He had jelly bean. Do you remember when we were younger, those plastic shoes, they had the uh, like little tea, plastic tea bars. Yeah, 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 it was, yeah, it was that, just bringing them back and making them cool again. So we developed all the creative. He had the name Jelly Bean and we created the, the brand strategy, tone of voice, go-to-market strategy. Well, did you call it a brand strategy at the time? No. <laughs> it was just, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> yeah. Now you'd call it a brand strategy. Uh, created all their content, launched it, took care of it all for him and this thing just took off. He was flying through units and units of shoes. And that became the first case study for Will and Blake. We thought, there's some we know how to do this. Mm. We know how to build a consumer brand, especially a startup, and connect with customers and find a unique positioning in market. We don't want to do things in a cookie cutter way. We want to do something that feels original and memorable. And that was the catalyst for leaving our jobs yeah. and starting the agency. You, you had jobs as well at the same time. Yeah. So this is like a side hustle. Yeah. Sort of thing. The internships had grown into jobs. Paying jobs. Paying jobs. Yeah, at that point. But probably yeah. not paying a lot of money. Not paying a lot of money at all. Did you still live across the road from each other? <laughs> we did. We still we live did. across the road from each other. We would live paycheck to paycheck, all getting paid on different cycles, mm. which was very handy because when someone ran out of money, the next person had money to buy food the following week. <laughs> I used to work at a cafe on the weekends and then I would take all the food home on a Sunday. What's left over? <laughs> what was left That's over, okay. just yeah. to keep me going through the rest of the week. But you have to, I think, in the early days, you have to hustle and so you have to make you, it work. In terms of brand building, brand building is really hard. It sounds easy, but it's quite hard. Um, given that you already had the name, um, what are the things that you sort of lent into in terms of um, what you did at the time? And I presume it's quite a few years ago now, but what you did at the time that made his brand pop and or more importantly, his product sell? I think when we think about brand, we think less about the name and the colours and, and the visual representation and we think more about how it makes someone feel and how it connects with someone. Like what's the experience? What's the experience? Yeah. What is that thing? When you think of that brand, what are the emotions? What are the feelings? What are the experiences that come up for you? And so it sounds a little bit fluffy, um, but no, it's, no, no, it's no. almost deeper than that. I think a lot of people think of brand and they think of, yeah, the name, the logo, the colours, the type, but that's really just the surface level. What we really focus on is what we call the foundations of a brand. So the purpose, the, the, the brand purpose, the brand proposition, the brand values and the brand personality. And I think the personality is what we really lent into with Jelly Beans and what we really lean into with a lot of our brands. Um, we like to call um, one of the things that we really specialise in at Will & Blake is a creative platform. Um, and so that's this central idea. And often it's just a sentence or just an idea that really forms the basis for the whole brand. So I guess, for example, at our brand, Frank Body, our creative platform is, the most, what is it these days? The most fun you can have in the bathroom? <laughs> yeah, we're in the middle of brand evolution, but it did start as the most, the most fun. fun you can have in the bathroom. And so everything we do, we sell skincare. But it's not necessarily about just selling skincare. It's about making someone feel amazing. We, we're all about making babes feel great. That's our purpose in life. Well, that's our purpose for our brand. Um, and so everything we do is designed to be the most fun you can have in the bathroom and to make babes feel great. Colour works for you. It is important for you. But only if the experience, as you said, matches the psychology of the colour you're trying to present. So you've got to have a good experience. You can't. It's, it doesn't work if it's just a colour. 
you don't think or just a great name you know like it doesn't the experience has got to be equal to that or better and and how do you when you're building a strategy around at will and blake when you're building a, a strategy around your client's brand how do you sit down and determine what the sense of the experience is going to be there's all types of different research that we do from starting with the founder or CMO or marketing manager, depending what type of business we're working with, and understanding what they need for the business. An innate sense of just being in touch with what's going on in market for our team, qual data that we get from customer surveys and then the more formal research that we do. I think it changes. So our process 10 years ago is different to five years ago is different to one year ago because it has to change. The market changes around us. Understanding the competitor landscape is crucial and often overlooked people tend to have an overestimated sense of how their brand is different or important and our job is to challenge them on that and actually help develop something that is unique we all tend to think our product is the best but to the consumer it's pretty much on par with what they see elsewhere unless you're coming through with some like amazing cut through breakthrough technology so for us it's about finding that element of how do we combine the potential technology and distribution channels that we're looking at? What is culturally relevant now and will stay culturally relevant for the foreseeable future? What are your competitors doing and how do all of these three come together to find something that is like a unique white space for you? And if it's not there, how do we create it? That's how we see our job as brand strategists. Because a lot of times, you know, we as proprietors and entrepreneurs think our stuff's the best in the world, like our product, our service, is no one's better. You know, we've got something unique about us, like how good is is this? And I was talking to uh, Richard Branson one day and uh, he, he just launched Virgin Money. And um, I said to him, so I was talking about my business, business at the time, Wizard Homelands, and uh, he said to me, um, Mike, there's no such thing as a designer dollar. There's no money dollars. <laughs> a dollar's a dollar. It doesn't matter where it comes from. He said it's about the experience that people have in relation to you delivering the dollar. Frank Body, I mean, it's coffee grinds or something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The original product was, yeah. Yeah, it's a great case study. How do you turn that into the best experience or the best fun the, you can have in the, the shower? The most fun you can have in the bathroom. In whatever the best fun you can have in the bathroom. Yeah, it's, it's about every single touch point. And for us, it's all about consistency. I think that's what customers really look for in a brand is, like I like to say, we're on brand until it hurts. So every single touch point, everything you see that is frank, particularly in the, the very beginning, it's so important with a brand to stay true. To your, to your brand, to your purpose, to your colours, to your type, to your tone of voice. Tone of voice is something that we like to talk a lot about um, and that's how the brand speaks. So for us, we developed a really strong character. Um, the brand was called Frank Body. We had this unique opportunity to personify the brand and create this character of Frank, um, which was unique in the market at the time because it's a beauty brand talking to women. So we created this male character of Frank who could be a little bit more cheeky, who could say what other brands couldn't and can't. It was also called Frank because we wanted to be honest and we wanted to cut through the hyperbole and the the exaggeration that was so prevalent in the beauty industry at the time and just be honest, just be real, just be frank. So we had these two, I guess, guiding guardrails for the brand of this cheeky personality of Frank and this promise to always be honest and upfront. And that allowed us to create this experience that was really unique in the market because 
all of the packaging, the copy on it, it, it made you laugh. Everything we did was designed to make you smile. You know, we had cheeky lines on the front of the packaging. Um, like our, our product description was get naked, get dirty, get rough, get clean, um, which these days maybe sounds a little bit provocative, but back then it really got people's attention. And it was clever because it was using double entendre get naked is you have to get naked to get in the shower, get clean. You're obviously cleaning yourself in the shower. Get rough is scrubbing yourself with the body scrub. Um, it's, it's, it's instructional, but it's, it's talking about something you do every day in a really fun and creative way. Um, and that really extended to everything we did from the photo shoots, which that's the other thing I think I'm really, we're really proud of is all of our photo shoots always embodied this sense of realism and fun. Um, we've always, pride, always prided ourselves on using a diverse range of models. I remember our first photo shoot. She wasn't even a traditional model, was she, our first model? No, she was a friend of a friend standing in a bucket <laughs> in the forest. In the forest. <laughs> <laughs> no money, yeah. But she just embodied this confidence um, that we really wanted Frank to be representative of. Um, and then we always hear it, our customers, and we just created this community that really wanted to showcase this other side of beauty. Do you mind if I unpack it a little bit? Yeah, go I mean, for it. I'm sort of fascinated by what you guys do as an agency, um, but you just use Frank Body as a case study here, um, because you know what you say sounds oh that's great, but then someone else listening to me, oh my god, I don't really understand what you did. How did you do that? So can we just go back to the name, uh, Frank Body? Um, why those two, uh, one? Why a male? Why not? Uh, Jess body or whatever. Well, why did you pick a male again? And and, and off the back of what research or, or what logic and, and or what psychology? Or we just throwing a dart at the wall? <laughs> no, like originally we were going to call it Piccolo, um, which was like a little coffee, um, but that to us felt too cutesy. So we wanted a name that was going to stand out. Um, and as Jess said before, you know, the first one of the first things we do is look at our competitors and look at how we can differentiate ourselves. Um, and we liked that the name Frank had a double meaning. Um, as we said before, we wanted to be honest, we wanted to be real, we wanted to be transparent, and that is to be Frank. Then we also liked that it had this second meaning that it could be a name. Um, we were gonna, we knew we were going to be using social media to market the product, and at the time there weren't a lot of brands playing on social media, and so for us to come into that space and talk from a first-person perspective allowed us to connect with our customers more authentically. You mean you say like Frank's talking to? Yeah. The, so he says, "I'm." You know, yeah. I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will get you dirty yeah. and naked, rather <laughs> yeah, than. Yeah. This product will, because yeah. we're using Instagram. We had no, we're bootstrapping this whole thing. So to use organic social channels was the most logical mm. to be able to connect cheapest. with our and cheapest. So to come on there, there were no brands playing on that space. So you can't come in with corporate language all of a sudden. We needed to infiltrate this platform in a way that felt authentic and organic. And also then the, the goal was that people would start replicating that tone of voice. So with every package that we sent out, flyers went out with it kind of step-by-step step how to upload the Frank selfie and how to utilise that tone of voice, and that's what we achieved. The customer took on that persona of Frank. I think male just because Frank is inherently a male name, and, mm. but it's evolved. Frank's sort of this elusive, non-binary character now. It could be, yeah, some of our profiles were Francine mm. and Francesca for our consumers. Yeah, totally. uh, but that's how it came to be, and the customers, it was so different to what they were seeing from large conglomerates like body care at the time was the body shop dove nivea it was pretty stale even yeah. you know the formulations weren't great the brands were big but there wasn't really anything 
fun to connect with. And we saw this opportunity to bring what was emerging in the colour cosmetic space, which was a lot more fun. What's that mean, colour cosmetic? Like makeup. Right. Um, yeah, there was a lot more irreverence and humour coming through in that category. I thought, well, there's something going on here. Can we bring this across to body care and create a much better brand and much more memorable brand experience than what people currently have with their body scrubs, body washes, because they're products that we don't really think a lot about. We tend to, or at the time, we just buy whatever was on sale. Now people look at everything in their bathroom as this curation of who they are. I think largely in part to how we've showcased our lives on social media and we could see that opportunity in 2013 when we launched. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. One of the things that seems to be a theme going through your life, especially if you go back to Red Bull, is like this fun thing, um, sort of a bit lighthearted stuff. Um, and when you look at, as you said, some of the competing brands, they're a bit uh, heavy. I'm oh, not heavy. Oh, that's probably another word. Like, I don't want to say boring. Um, they're a bit grey, if you know what I mean. And uh, is it because your personalities are such that the door was open because that's who you are naturally are? that you decided to go down this track or you actually purposefully decided that we're going to put some colour and some life into this body scrub? I think it's a combination of those two factors and one more. We were we were only young when we started the business. So I think you in that, like you have a sense of youthful naivety and fun about <laughs> and you. Let's have you're, a crack. Yeah, right? Because yeah. you haven't stuffed anything up yet. So you haven't learned all of your major life lessons. So there was that element of, yes, we were young and maybe fun, there was seeing an opportunity within the category to come in and disrupt it by doing something more interesting and more fun. Uh, so those two things combined really led to how Frank was created and a lot of the brands that we were creating at the time. I think since then, brand strategy and brand positioning has evolved a lot for us. We've done a lot in very serious categories, finance, med tech, pro bono work with, you know, um, brands and organisations working in Indigenous communities and like Polish men, like there's a huge variety of work that we've done that fun has no place there. It's about being more thoughtful. Um, but that ability to create something that can cut through and make someone smile and make them laugh, I think that will never be lost on us and our team. And I think you get a 
better sense of that coming out of the boutique agency, at least at the time, because there was a bit more appetite to take risk. We hadn't spent as much time in industry. So there, like I was saying before, there wasn't really this formula of how to build a brand. It was a little bit more about finding an opportunity and finding a unique position in market. And brands have been very serious up until that point, a lot of them. What, what period are we talking about? Which... Uh, we started Will & Blake about 13 years ago. So, so And Frank Body was around? Two, 10 years ago. Yeah, 2010 ago. for Willow, 2013 for Frank. And Frank came off the back of clients coming to us because they wanted that sort of fun and cheeky tone of voice that we were becoming known for. Are you be, so that's what, that's yeah. my point. Were you becoming known for that? We were. I would say it wasn't, wasn't always fun, but it was bold and risky were probably the words that we would use to describe. Back yourself. Yeah, back yourself, say something different. Mm. But and you've probably had this experience, people always say they want something different and then fear takes over, risk adversity takes over and the idea gets diluted down and down and down sanitized. until it's sanitised and there's nothing particularly memorable about it anymore. And we were always finding that despite our best efforts, clients were scared and not always willing to put well, bigger the clients idea. Bigger clients in particular. Yeah, but yeah, the bigger you are, the more risk adverse you become. Well, we understand that as our business has grown as well. We have to constantly remind ourselves to take risks and have fun. So Frank Body was born out of, for Bree and myself, the desire to create a case study, to show people what could be done if you created an original idea and really stuck with it and took it through across every single touch point of the brand. And at the same time, we were working with our co-founders, Alex and Steve, to develop a product-based business. That We were really interested in e-com products, something a little bit more scalable than the service-based businesses that we were in. Um, and we worked on, we bounced around a whole bunch of ideas together for six or eight months, came up with a bunch of products until it was Steve, who's now Bree's husband, um, developed the original coffee scrub, which was the first product that we launched. We, it felt very strange to use because it felt like you were covering yourself in dirt, but the feeling on your skin after you used it was really different to anything that we'd felt in market. And it was tapping into a lot of trends at the time, that health, wellness, natural trend was really growing online. And so this formula, recipe, as you would call it back then, was very simple but really culturally relevant, which is always another tick point for us. Um, so it's, yeah, it kind of, I almost lost my point here. I've gone on so many different tangents. But it was that element of wanting to show people what you could do um, if you really stick to your guns. And it paid off for us. And so I we, think we were then, you trying to build a business. Like I mean, Frank Body's obviously business. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, we had a, we had a few simple goals. I think for Jess and myself, yeah, we had a, a brand goal. And I think every business, like obviously, people start a business to make money. That's normal. We had very humble financial targets. Um, we wanted to make enough money to buy to pay our rent or for extra beer money when we first started. For us, it really was more of a creative challenge. And as you said before, let's just have a crack, see how this goes, try something different. Um, but I think, yeah, to what Jess was saying before, yes, fun is still so important. But I think for both Will and Blake and for Frank, as we've we've grown up over the last 10 years and we've evolved the positioning, we've evolved both those brands. And, and while we are still really fun and cheeky, I think there's an underlying deeper meaning now behind both businesses. And so for Frank, it's it's really about this high performance body care. You know, we're still really known for our coffee scrubs, but the product has evolved. Our formulas now are really more focused on active ingredients, really efficacious, the skinification of body care is what we, we talk a lot about. Um, and while coffee was our old hero ingredient, acids are really becoming our new hero ingredient because they're so effective. And as we said before, our purpose is to make babes feel great. 
And one of the ways we make babies feel great is by making their skin look amazing. <laughs> um, and so, like, I think our products these days, they've evolved. Like, we're still really fun. We're still really creative. We're still really cheeky. But, yeah, we've got this more efficacious, high-performance secondary message. We've yeah. all the product and, and the brand along with it. We've always stayed true to our brands. Um, and this is what we do at Will & Blake as well. A lot of the time we set brand foundations. But we still believe that brands need to evolve as they grow, they need to stay culturally relevant. And so what was relevant for us when we launched 10 years ago has evolved now. And so, what, what, so the original um, strap line? The most fun you can have in the yep. bathroom. Where is it now? <laughs> risk it for the biscuit yeah. is our risk, risk it for, for the biscuit. biscuit, which is also my life motto. Um, and as Jess was talking about before, that's one of the reasons we've been so successful in both businesses is this opportunity to take risks. But as we've gotten older and as the business has become bigger and bigger and we have so many different stakeholders and employees and, and there's so much more to lose, as founders we found ourselves becoming more risk adverse and we wanted Play to. Play defensive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just with the economic climate as it is and like cash flow management, and there's just a lot more to think about. General responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these days. So we wanted to really instill in our team, in our brand, in everything that we do, this idea of not being afraid to take risks. And so, so we've if I was beyond, in, in terms of how you've evolved and how you've refined your approach, perhaps, um, in other words, it's not just about fun. There can be some seriousness mm -hmm. in terms of brand. Can you point to me, for example, a case study where Will and Blake has gone down another track that's sort of not like Frank Body, like something slightly different, perhaps? Is there someone else that you later mentioned? Yeah, yeah, we can talk about tons of campaigns. There's actually one that comes to mind, which is the Polish Man campaign yeah. that we worked on, which is Polish Polished Man. Polished. Have you ever heard of that campaign? Mm -hmm. I'm afraid not. No. Okay, so Polished Man, they came to us in 2015 before this launched. They Bree led this, so I might let you take over in a minute, but it's probably the antithesis of everything that we did at Frank. It was dealing with a very serious topic, but it still needed to utilise the same channels and find a friendly way to connect with consumers. Do you want to yeah, of course, talk yeah. through your strat? Yeah, it was all about um, you know, really serious topic of um, child abuse and um, this idea that one in five children were subject to abuse before, I think, at the age of 10. Um, and so the campaign was for the month of October, men would paint one of their nails um, to signify that. It just was a way to spark conversation. Conversation. Um, and so YGAP led this initiative and they came to us to really help them with their tone of voice, their positioning and the whole campaign. This is a little while ago, so pardon me if my numbers get a bit, bit blurry. Um, but, yeah, we worked with them on their very first campaign and, yeah, it was a really good opportunity for us to talk in a not cheeky voice, in a serious voice about a really serious topic but explain it in a way that was quite simple. And I think that's another a great strategy or a great strength of Will and Blake is this idea to talk about complex ideas and simplify them um, and make it understandable for the wider public. Was your brief or your instructions to build awareness around it and uh, and perhaps, um, as you say, people polishing a, a fingernail was to get people engaged as part of the engagement process. Is, was that sort of the brief? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it was, I think, about creating that sense of community and about encouraging men. It was it was bigger. It was, yes, let's, um, you know, get people to paint their nail to encourage conversation, which it doesn't seem crazy now, but back then, you know, men painting their fingernails was still a little bit controversial, yeah. like why are we wearing nail polish, mate? Did you guys come up with that part of it? No, they the came client, to us with that, yeah. but it was our job to make it normal Yeah, and to be like, look, 
you know, and we had like and bring the, it to life as well. Yeah, yeah, and you know, we had footballers, we had the Hemsworths painting their nails, and and it really created that ripple effect and that idea that yeah, men can do this, and we can have these difficult conversations, and we can talk about things that are deeper. How important are influences, or were they, or are they today? Oh, the influencer God. market. That's a good topic, isn't it? We wouldn't have Frank Body without influencers and so many of our clients' brands would not be where they are without influencers. Give me an example of what you're talking about. So you had people who are well-known who would be standing in the bath, Mm -hmm. shower, whatever, half naked or naked, uh, covered in um, coffee grounds. Covered in coffee. So when we started what is now known as an influencer strategy, the word influencers didn't even exist. For us, it was about getting people to talk about the brand. I think we used key opinion leaders. Yeah. Um, So it was... Bree, Ari and I emailing thousands of bloggers, journalists and people that were starting to build profiles on social media, offering them free product in exchange for content. And sometimes I didn't think it even came with that would you post for us. It was just about wanting them to try the product and believing that they would have an amazing experience with our brand and getting them to post content. At the same time, we had a parallel UGC strategy and UGC wasn't even a word then. For us, it was just get customers doing the same thing. So you're creating this viral moment about the brand online. Influencers have, we know that how much it's shifted. Back then, you didn't really have to pay anyone. It was maybe a handful of really big emerging influencers that you would pay. Now it's very much pay to play. Back then, you would see direct correlation between a post and sales, now you treat it like an above-the-line channel. For us, it's all about brand awareness. If you get additional, you know, direct sales from it, great, but that's not the expectation. I think a lot of brands have struggled to make that transition. But you mean by by using influencers? Yeah. For us, they're still really, really pivotal, but it's more difficult because it's more expensive now. Also, is it fair to say that... um the consumers or the audience that follows the influencer who you're trying to tap into or the, or the client might be trying to tap into, the audience also knows this person's influencer mm. and they're probably getting paid for it. Yep. I mean, is there like a sense of lack of authenticity? I mean, or, Totally. Or, uh, so, do I mean, do, do the influencers sort of lose their, their cred? Yeah, I think the influencers that are just standing there with a product next to their head every other day, they don't cut through in any way for, from an awareness or consideration or usage perspective. It so, just doesn't work. So let's say we're looking to use an influencer for a new brand exercise. What are you trying to get the influence? How do you make the influencer look authentic like they really believe in it? <laughs> yeah. I think there's a few ways. I think um, one of the ways we look at them is content creators. And there's a really good campaign we did this year for our new range of products at Frank Body, which is Everyday by Frank Body. And we were launching our new face products. And we have a, a big focus on what well, the clearing face was, which is one of our best performing products. It's amazing with acne prone skin. And we're releasing a second product to that, which is our clearing face moisturizer. And so we were looking for someone who could be an ambassador for that. And we didn't want someone who had perfect skin. We wanted someone who had suffered from acne, who understood what that was like. And there was an influencer we'd worked with a number of times, Cairo, and she was perfect for us because she was authentic about her experience. She showed acne on her Instagram, on her TikTok, and customers resonated with her because- She already had showed. You, you yeah. did the research to find this person. Yeah, she already had this problem and she was talking about it really openly. And so we did this whole campaign with her where she talked about yeah, her own skin journey and about how acne had affected her mentally and and we, we saw this awful trend of more and more younger children photoshopping their own photos. Um, so using filters, using editing apps, literally changing the way they looked from a really young age. And as we get older, we become, I guess, more 
aware of the impact that we can have as founders and as a brand. And so we want to do something that could hopefully challenge that. And so we came up with this campaign called Photoshop is not a skin type. And we want to show that people had all different skin types and that brands can be authentic and show that. So we worked with Cairo. She was in our photo shoot. We did a competition with her to get three other girls or women to come in the campaign and be with her. Um, so all of our consumers, her, her customers, they did the photo shoot. We didn't retouch any of the images. We, we showed real skin, you know, blemishes, acne, and she put that on her channels. We put it on our channels. It was, it was a larger partnership and it had a deeper meaning than just her promoting the product. And I think that's a really good example of how you can work with influencers in a way that's not just them spruiking mm. another product. I won't sell it. I can't. Um, you know, otherwise I jeopardize everything. People walk away from me. Yep. Straight mm. away. Um, so but also that sort of to some extent also restricts your uh, commercialization. It does. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a bit of a sort of a, a catch it's a double situation. Yeah. 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 Totally. In terms of your agency it's interesting that um, you use you've got case studies, but you've got a very famous case study, um, Frank Body, and, and Frank Body's in itself has become you helped it, you helped kick it off, but it's actually become a, a big business now. Mm -hmm. It does a whole lot of things, lots of different SKUs, and um, as you say, you've evolved the brand and the messaging and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I, I I wonder how the hell you get time to do both. Um, <laughs> you're running an agency that has clients, and you're running a business which is one of your clients. Yeah, uh, I think there's no rhyme or reason to how we get it done. Bree describes it as just going to who screams the loudest. Yeah, yeah. I treat them both as where's projects. The most noise? Yeah, where's the most noise? We've refined which our is roles. not is not the best strategy. I don't <laughs> recommend it. It's just how you survive. We have to. We've changed our role. So we were in creative director positions at Willow and Blake and about three to four years ago we realised that we were just bottlenecking so much of the work at Willow. Even though we loved it, it wasn't the best thing for the agency and the clients anymore. So we stepped more into business development roles, which are much better for the Finding agency. Clients. Finding the clients. Um, we'd been so lucky that everything had been inbound inquiries to that point. We thought, what if we actually spent some time going to find clients. I wonder what would happen. Pitching, you, in other pitching, words. Pitching, yeah. you can control your timetable a lot more because you're not working to client deadlines. And for me, my role is as chief marketing officer at Frank Body as well. I couldn't balance the two anymore, whereas this works really well. Um, since then, we've both had kids as well, and I think if you need something done, just give it to a busy parent because you, you just know you've got finite hours yeah. in the day, got to get, get stuff done. done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we work long hours and we, we don't, recommend that and we don't encourage that for our team. We're not an agency that expects people to work past five o'clock. You know, we're like, you come in here, you work hard, you work efficiently, and then you leave home and you have a life because that's how you do your best work. Mm -hmm. For us as founders, it ebbs you and flows. That'd be nice. No, no. <laughs> like, and, but I think, I don't know, I think it's just different. I think it's part of who we are and because we, and it sounds lame, sometimes I don't love my job, but when I'm excited about a project, I want to work on it. And it, it motivates me and I like sometimes working late on it. Um, and I think that we always talk about be like water and there's never, there's no such thing as balance. You just have to go with the flow and realise that some weeks you will be at home and at five o'clock and putting the kids to bed and that's great. And then other weeks you'll be so into your work that you're staying late and you're working on so a you're project. you're all the time. Yeah, 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 constantly. You just you drive forward, you make a bit of a mess, you go, shit, I've got to fix that up, I've got to mm -hmm. fix that up. I didn't talk to him, I didn't talk to her, I didn't talk to my partner, I didn't talk to my parents, my brother, sister. I better spend a bit of time on them. But yeah. That's normal. I that's, think it's that's normal. entrepreneur's journey. It is. Yeah. And it comes with, there's so many amazing pros that come with that, but it totally. is a 
24-hour job, I think, being an entrepreneur. Even when you look like you're not working, every entrepreneur I know, their head is still ticking along. I think being present is probably one of the biggest struggles in any entrepreneur's journey when you're with your family and friends to switch off the problem-solving, opportunity-seeking side of your brain because it's innate to who you are. Do you ever find you do some stupid shit like – like I can give you a good example, and I'm at my age, I shouldn't be doing this, but I do. Um, often I don't know where I park my car in a parking or shopping centre. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I, I have remember. to put it in my notes. Yeah, I have to, I have to take a photo uh, <laughs> yeah. when I go to the airport of, of what level I'm on. Oh, airport every time. I've been walking fr- around for days. <laughs> and the other one is, uh, from time to time is I've gone to my office and um, and I have a parking downstairs, and uh, I get a call from their building concierge to say I left my car running. Uh, I forgot to turn my car off. <laughs> Um, but that's that's pretty normal for entrepreneurs. Yeah. I used to think, what the fuck, you're a bit weirder. Um, but it's I'm not, so glad uh, you said that because I thought I was a weirdo. Yeah, we're, 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 we're not. We, we should be present. <laughs> I, 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 we should be present. We've got to correct it. I get it. But it's not nothing wrong if you don't, uh, if you do make that error. And because you're usually, generally speaking, you're thinking about what you're about to do. And that's that's where your focus is. I've got to do this and I, I'm, I'm on a mission. I'm going to do it no matter what. And I mean, I often say that, I mean, in my case, I have someone who sort of sweeps up behind me sort of thing because I'm always leaving a mess. But it's normal. It's normal as entrepreneurs. Where to from here? I mean, I we're in a tough economic environment now. I, this is my last question, but we're in a tough economic vi- environment now. Do you say to your clients, and, and you're, a, you, you're a brand creator, but do you say to your clients in tough times when, you know, you've got to watch your bottom line and above line spending especially, um, do you say to your clients, maybe pull back on the branding during tough times and spend when, but go hard when the times are good? Mm. How, how do you approach that? And what do you find your clients are saying? Yeah, it's really easy to think with a short-term mindset during tough economic times. We we frame it around this motto, you can't convert demand that doesn't exist. So if you pull back on brand, you're going to feel the pain not only immediately, but six, 12, 24 months time. I would, we are, our strategy is moderating performance channels far more than we are moderating brand. And people need to think about brand differently. It doesn't need to be hundreds of thousands of dollars above the line campaigns. Brand can be really clever, small, intimate moments that resonate really strongly with consumers. And that connection, whether we're in great economic climate or a tough one is what's going to see you through because at the end of the day, people are deciding, I do need that product. I don't need that product. And if you connect with them on more than just a product level, there's a reason for them to purchase you now or when it's economically viable for them, you're front of mind. So doubling down on brand is what we're doing both at Frank, at Willow for our own business and our recommendation to clients. But with the mindset that we understand the commercial realities. We're not an agency saying, great, now it's the time to go spend a million bucks on a campaign. We're working with clients who are dealing, you know, with four or five digits for their brand campaigns. And we're used to doing that because we've had to be scrappy from the start. I think the best ideas sometimes come out of financial restraint because you're forced to be a bit more clever. So there's yeah, a lot that's of- that's the most fun stuff I agree with you. It is. There's a lot of fun to be had with yeah, brand yeah. right now. As opposed to, um, um, you know, crapping your pants and sort of pulling the pin. Yeah. Um, well, that's good to know that your agency, by the way, is prepared to deal in the the twenties and thirties and forties and fifty thousands sort, of, sort of style client. Yeah. Because you know those people probably think to themselves, listening to you guys, oh, well, they never do my work. Um, but you're right. You, I mean, for me anyway, too. Like, uh, I also 
love scrapping and because that's where I come from and scrapping is what you do in current times and scrapping can be the most fun you know like it's not some big ma- major campaign but scrapping is cool and it's fun as long as you look at it that way yeah well Bree and Jess thanks very much for coming in I really enjoyed my conversation with you well done by the way and Frank Body. I mean that's just an ama- not only is it amazing for your business as a brand agency but not only is it amazing for that but it's amazing you're creating this fantastic business which started off just basically as a case study. It's amazing. Like, just so good. Oh, that's Thanks, really Mark. lovely. Totally that was a great impressed. chat. Yeah, Thanks. it was really Thanks, good. Guys. Good questions. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Mentor with Mark Boris. Audio and production is by Jessica Smalley. Production assistance, Simon McDermott. This is a mentored podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.